There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Spurs in full cry here. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name is Wendy. I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Wendy. And our tactics guy and my sopping wet boy, <laughs> Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. Moist. Fully moist, straight out of the shower, onto the podcast. Boom. Uh, before we start, a quick plug for Nathan's video analysis of Huey Bier on our Patreon, which was really detailed work focusing on his first half against Manchester United. Is there a second half video to come, Nathan? Uh, th- there could be tonight. I'm doing uh Joe Roden with uh with Harry um HB head coach um but yeah we we could we could revisit Hoybier if people are interested in that it's whatever um yeah we're open to things and we are closing in on uh on 500 subs at which point I will be making one of these videos um available to non subscribers so uh, I guess I'll have a poll out in the coming days uh for you to pick which one you're interested in if you're not already a subscriber to the Patreon. Great stuff, mate. Alongside that video, which is just fantastic, uh, our ex-subs have now enjoyed 10 other videos, 13 additional podcasts, including Straight Off the Training Ground, which I do with Chris Summersell, and the first Windy's Youth Update podcast, which was like 40 minutes of me talking about youth players, plus eight blogs, plus our Discord server. Um, and if you join now, you get all of that. We've had multiple messages from patrons saying that we're offering too much content they're scared of us burning out, bless them. And uh, Nathan, are you are you burning out at this point? No, 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 <laughs> not at all. I'm really, I'm really enjoying it. Um, like, 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 like I just said, we're we're closing in on 500, which means that I can essentially commit to this part uh, full time. Nearly, I I've dropped pretty much all of my my uh, my other freelance stuff. So like, I'm I'm really enjoying it. I'm in a really good place with it. I've got a really good balance of things. I'm enjoying what I'm doing. I'm proud of the stuff I'm putting out. And there's there's, there's a lot of good stuff out there because I've got the the time and the tools and the resources um, and everything else I could possibly need to, to do it. So it's, it's going really well. That's really nice to hear. Wendy, do you ever feel like we're just the fertiliser and we're just letting Nathan blossom into this beautiful Tottenham tactics thing? Uh, I've never thought of putting it in those terms before, <laughs> but now you have. Uh, yeah, I've never felt so small, but you're absolutely right. Um, no, honestly, this is it's it's fantastic for Nathan. It's fantastic for all of us. But this is what we wanted for Nathan. You know, this is exactly why we are are, are charging, are monetizing for some of our content because it it has to be this way. It's 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 the future of uh, of, of producing content like this. And I genuinely feel like our product is really good. And it's it's it, the nicest thing is we can still do a weekly free podcast for people who don't have the inclination or the or the funds to to join the Patreon. Uh, so it's it's win win really. But what a lovely community on there as well. The the Discord server is is just uh, full of like minded, very pleasant, supportive people, and it's been great. So um, yeah, end of plug. Uh, we'll move on to West Ham. Um, okay, I think it's best summed up by Ben Wilson, who via our Facebook page facebook.com forward slash the extra inch he says wtf and then facepalm emoji ali jameson says when will we learn yeah it, it, it certainly felt that way um by the initial reflections on on the west ham game 
I'm still really, I'm still really upset by it. Um, I don't think it helps. Normally, when I watch a when I watch a game, I like to, I tend to put my phone away because everybody these days is, you don't know where they're watching it, and everybody's got time delays. Some people in front, some people behind. Yesterday, I was miles behind everybody else, but I just had to keep looking and checking as the minutes were ticking past. Past, and I, and I was watching it unfurl on WhatsApp, and then looking over at Sky Go and watching it unfurl in in real life after a time delay. And it's yeah, I can just it felt like I got stuck twice it's um it's really frustrating that we've thrown away two points which in this weekend with everybody else kind of messing up it was crucial and it's just um it's just I think a lot of it's down with sloppiness and it's something that I, I want to see us improve and something that everything for Jose that he was meant to bring there should have been some tightening up at least or some semblance of tightening up and I just thought I just thought there was mistakes from everybody in that second half and especially as the the minutes went past Nathan how about you um I, I have a suspicion that you might have some takes on this game uh what did you make of it uh well I mean I've come away feeling much more at peace much more positive like I uh I guess it's kind of the opposite of like the way uh maybe you felt about the Southampton game uh the way I felt about the North London derby last season is that um in both cases each of us have been set in a particular mood by the first half and then the final result and the second half hasn't been enough to sort of turn things around but what we've seen in this situation is that like I was so pleased and so happy with the first half I'm not that upset that we've thrown it away uh, obviously, you know you, you, we need the points. <laughs> if we if we're talking about a title challenge, you, you've got to you've got to win as many as you put. You know you you can't really drop any more than what we've already dropped. You know, um, so it's it's frustrating in that sense. But I just think that we we played really well until a few minutes at the end where we didn't, and that's you know that's pretty good. Um, some of our attack and play was was absolutely brilliant. Um, it's I mean it's obviously it's um it's slightly old news now that Kane is fit and back to his best, but still every time you get to witness it it's uh it's a real treat. Um and Bale looked good when he came on. You know? Um created a chance, didn't convert the chance, whatever. Um and, and you can certainly say, Oh, if he scored that one then we you know, we're not gonna concede four, whatever. Um but I, I was really pleased with performance. Basically, is is the main takeaway. My concern is we're really good when we're really good, but then when we're really bad, we're really bad. So, <laughs> but that's 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 the history of Tottenham for two hundred years. Like that. Yeah. But what all of us were kind of hoping from this year is the players who signed and everything else that we. I, I don't think I don't think this kind of trying to balance being really good and being really bad at the same time. It's not really. It's not. It's not going to. Definitely not going to win us the title, and it's going to hurt us with top four. There has to be some steps made. So when we are bad in games, when we go through those phases, we're not as terrible as we we have been. And um, at, at the moment, at the moment, everything is pinned on a, a Welsh young Welsh lad coming back into centre-back and sorting that out it's just my concern is when we're great we're brilliant which is fine but those 10 minutes when we're bad when we give away a penalty after 30 seconds or we keep putting chucking the ball in our own net is that's that's what gets me worried so interesting I've come away from the game with a slightly different take from from both of you which I, I didn't expect it's, it's it's interesting though I mean and it means we can have an actual discussion uh, mm. quite often we just sit agreeing with one another on this podcast don't we so so let's actually disagree for a change I I sort of I feel very at peace with it also like Nathan but for a very different reason so I think partly because I'm not all in on Mourinho uh that that certainly helps sure. I am all in on the team though I mean I'm definitely all in on the squad I think the squad is fabulous I, I think uh, I said before I, I think we've got the second best team in in the league and we probably the third or maybe second best squad um but I thought we were just sort of fine in this match and I, I thought you know, Spurs this season tend to show up for one half, and that was certainly the case here. But even in the first half, I didn't think we were amazing. I didn't feel like we ever had control of the game. We had some fabulous moments where Harry Kane just goes from naught to a hundred literally three times, and and then is that like defending his own box on the stroke of half time as well, uh, and, and doing things that only a, like an absolute elite player can do. Aside from that, I didn't think we were special. I didn't think we blew them away in the first half. And I thought that was reflected in the in the expected goals at half time. I, I kind of there wasn't much in it between the two teams. And actually I thought West Ham had some good moments. They they got in down the sides of our centre backs 
fairly frequently. So that's not just a sort of centre back issue. That's a sure. that's a team structure issue as well. Uh, and Antonio didn't quite get the beating of Alderweireld a couple of times, and Bowen didn't get the run of play on the other side a couple of times. And, and so it looked like we were keeping them arms leg. I'm not sure we actually were. West Ham had plenty of of decent possession. I, th- I thought in the first half even. Um, and, and obviously the second half is a nightmare. I mean, Bardi's right. The second half is a, a bit of a disaster, and not just not just the last fifteen minutes either. It's it kind of started from as soon as they came out after half time. But I, I feel kind of at ease with it because we're a, we're a team in transition. We're we're still a new team that's adjusting to new players, and we've got a, a new structure. We're playing four three three a lot more now. Um, and we've got two attacking fullbacks, which we've we've not really done much under Mourinho. And Bale's still coming to terms with uh, what it means to be a Premier League player again, uh, and all these things. And I think it's just it's to be expected that we'll drop some points. And I don't know. I think people got a little bit carried away after the United game because it was such a thrashing. And uh, I, I think it's important just to sort of be okay with this and and not get carried away with this, like you got carried away with the United game. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. I think I think I think for me personally, I after United and everything else, I really did start to believe and I'm not saying I I now I'm a disbeliever, but I just think it was a little bit of a wake-up call when we when we look around our squad, perhaps it's not as strong as we think it is because when Ndombele and Son were on that pitch, we were a different team, and then all of a sudden you bring on Lucas and Winks and the overall level of the game just drops. You got all Lucas starts running into dead ends. Winks is just not he's not the same player as Endombele and that's that's not a problem because Endombele is brilliant but it I think to for us to get through the season we're going to need a bit more from these guys and I just don't think we we have it and I think had La Celso been fit perhaps we would have held on for that I just I just think our squad is perhaps not as strong as we believe it but we we all, we all think Lucas is rubbish anyway so um, <laughs> it's not a surprise Lamella would have been a much better outlet in for that last 20 minutes than Lucas yeah, I mean, I, I can certainly appreciate that point. Uh, you mentioned Winks there, uh, and many of our fans have mentioned Winks in in light of this result. So Graham Rundle again on our Facebook, he says, "Why did Winks come on? He's a non-forward passing calamity." What is the first rule in football you're taught at grassroots level? If in doubt, get it out. Yeah, he decides to try to be clever and run it out of defence. He's not good enough for our squad. He's only in it to meet the Premier League criteria. He wouldn't get into a championship team. Um, but you, <laughs> you, you, you made similar comments about Winks's touch in the lead up to that third goal. But did do you really think that, that Winks is, is to blame there? And do, do you think Winks coming on cost us? Um, you can't blame Winks for for somebody spanking it in from 35 yards. It's mm. just, it's it's not his fault. I I think Winks was trying to be a little bit clever. I also agree that he was fouled, so he was blocked off. Um, yeah. Had that dropped to Sissoko, that ball's getting punted. Had it dropped to Kane, he would have taken a touch and bought a foul. Had Aurier dropped to Aurier, Aurier would have just wiped out everybody in, in within spitting distance. So... I think Winks can be held a little bit responsible from that, but he's not to blame for the goal because Lanzini does that. He can give him a hundred balls; he'll never do that again. But I think Graham is a, bit, a little bit harsh there. I, I do agree that he helps with our Premier League quota, which is probably why Winks is so important to the team. But he's not; he's definitely not Championship. He's mid to lower level Premier League. It's just it's a, it's a shame that it kind of gets pinned on him because every season we do have a, um, a scapegoat, and it's looking increasingly likely that it might be Winks this year. I remember I remember when Winks first broke into the team he was one of the players we would bring on to see out games do you remember that? And because he's a good possession player and he's, yeah. he's helpful to have on the pitch. And, and that didn't seem to be the case here, but I don't think we got worse after Winks came on specifically. I felt like we were on a downward uh, trajectory already. Yeah. Uh, but having said that, I thought Ndombele was our best player, uh, probably possibly aside from Kane because of Kane's goal involvement. But Ndombele was really, really good in this match. And I definitely think him coming off it could be argued that that cost us because of the the type of player that he is and the amount of pressure he can absorb but then he's not going to he's not going to be able to play 90 minutes twice a week three times a week at this point it's it's unrealistic to believe that and we have to be able to rely on our squad and winks in for my money is a good squad player i'm very happy to have harry winks in the squad and 
I think normally you bring Harry Winks on in this situation and, and it works out fine. Um, it's just, you know, football does go a bit mad sometimes. Um, Mourinho pinned this on a, a psychological uh, deficiency. He says, my guys were not strong enough to cope with it psychologically. And in the last few seconds, we lost two points. I have to analyse the second half and I have to do it internally. But for you, I prefer to say that football happened and praise West Ham's belief. So two of his uh, sort of mantras there, recurring mantras, uh, coping psychologically and belief West Ham's belief um, Nathan these have been mantras now for 11 months the 11 months we've had Mourinho in charge he's gone big on changing the mentality of the club I mean arguably made that his biggest priority how do you square that with this result <laughs> it's just this endless cycle isn't it where and it's very reminiscent of the documentary where it's like pre-match he talks about mentality a half time he talks about mentality football happens in between those events and then we form the narrative from there it's just like yeah if if he's been banging this drum and this has been his main point of focus the entire time then like does he not share blame for the mentality of the players how long do we keep blaming that do we need to continue to overhaul the, every single member of the squad until they're all Mourinho <laughs> players I don't know man it's um it's for, for me and he he was directly asked and denied this but he was asked was there a, a, a tactical intention to sort of surrender possession in the second half and sit on the lead and he denied that but I find that hard to believe um if you we, you brought up expected goals earlier so at half time we put up one point two 1.3 expected goals um and then so okay we'd scored three from that and um keys on twitter pointed out that like we'd essentially scored from our first three chances which is very useful if you're a Mourinho side because you can then manipulate the game state and uh, and do things from there okay fair enough um i was i was pretty happy with our attacking play in the first half i was really happy with our attacking play in the first half yes we were um uh, sort of clinical with it to a degree that we're not always going to be um, but nonetheless I thought we were creating the chances if we'd have had another first half if we'd had another 45 like the first we'd have been in a really really good position um, but I, I very much see um, uh, a plan in the second half to save some energy to let the game drop off to take it easy to allow West Ham to have the ball um, and there are lots of reasons why that's a smart decision but also you are um, bringing Winks into a position where he needs to be a defender in deep areas and not give away free kicks and clear the ball and you're inviting situations for Davinson Sanchez to be the left-sided centre-back mm. and you you know I just um, obviously the substitutions that we made are going to have some effect on our ability to keep giving the game at West Ham um, but I thought that we should have tried for me we had everything we needed to win this game but we made a poor decision collectively uh, you know it won't just have been whatever we said at half time it would be down to individual player decisions as well but we we allowed West Ham to come back into this game when we didn't need to and we don't need to next week and we don't need to the week after that and that's why I think I'm that's why I think I'm more positive because I think there's a there's a pretty easy fix not an extremely easy fix not a single decision that you switch one thing a yes becomes a no but um, but something that's fairly easily coached around, or should be fairly easily coached around. I don't really buy what Mourinho says about this game. I'm I'm a bit concerned about our inability to manage chaos. It's when a when a team have have been dominated Newcastle, um, West Ham, and then they just they just revert to ju- let's just cause chaos at, in Tottenham's penalty area and see what we can do from it. At, Everton scored a goal from just chucking it in the mix. I don't think there was anything, there wasn't anything too sophisticated in it. Um, West Ham's goal, free kick, uh, the equaliser, free kick, drop and knock down the, uh, the other goal and own goal. I just, sometimes it, it just, teams will just start, let's just panic Tottenham's defence. And I think, I think that's when, I hate this word as well, like you guys, but I just think I had a lack of a leader, somebody to, somebody to get, the, get their big head on that corner, on, on the Balbrena cross. It went over Sanchez and then Balbrena got above um, Sissoko. It's just sometimes you just wish for like a Van Dyke, perhaps or anybody just to get their face on it and clear it. I just think sometimes we, we, bring, we bring the chaos upon ourselves. Um, when, Car- when Carroll won the, the header up against Dyer, like, come on Dyer, win it. 
and then then the panic goes away i just think sometimes we start to panic a little bit and that's that's our undoing and i you can almost attribute that to most of the goals we conceded at home this season very small point on that i really wasn't happy with sissoko marking balbuena i thought that was a really poor really poor team decision i don't know who i don't know who works out who marks who it could have been Lloris when he was organizing that free kick it could have been predetermined before the match I wasn't happy with that that matchup at all, and that and that was shown when Sissoko didn't even get off the ground. It's it's mm. a, basically a free header when you're being marked, which is which is completely unacceptable. Uh, great ball, mind you, from Creswell, who who does take a mean free kick. I mean, he went he went close with a shot as well. He's a he's a very good set piece specialist. Another reason why we should have been well prepared for them, though. Um, a few more questions, and I'm going to group a couple together. Uh, so John Hannon, again via Facebook, he said, they say defences win titles. Can Jose finally sort this defence? And Eric Ronan says, who needs to go? Who actually aren't good enough and bring the squad down? Mistakes are bound to happen, e.g. versus Man United at the end of last season, but we could have lost this match. There was a missed shot and goal that Lloris was um, shocked out, shocked by. It's clear that central defence is the weakness. Um is this the time to start sort of thinking about which players aren't up to it now? We've remodeled our squad and, and do we need to actually take some action and ship out some of these players and, and look to replace them? What do you think, Nathan? I mean, uh you're you're kind of, you're you're always uh preparing for the next window, aren't we? So um I guess you can say, you know, um Vertongan and Alderweireld falling off from being two of the very best centre backs in the world was something that we should have seen coming for years and years and years and we should have better planned around that. Okay, we spent over forty million on Davinson Sanchez. That hasn't worked out for us. We we clung on to Dyer um we brought in Foyt and things didn't work out there. So maybe we've been a little unlucky. Maybe we've been a little poor with how we've prepared for the situation, but we're in it now. We have a we have an issue at centre back. We've brought in a young new centre back who I'm gonna be looking at more in depth in a couple of hours' time. Um so I'll have I'll have a better take <laughs> on on that purchase in a little bit. But um there's definitely some some personnel issues in defence, but I also think that even though the window is closed, there's someone who we should still bring in. Desperately, desperately we need a set pieces coach or a defensive set pieces coach and an attacking set pieces coach or a team of set piece specialists mm-hmm. um because the way that we defend and attack set pieces um, and the way that Mourinho's teams have been defending and attacking set pieces for a decade now is is really below par. Um, it's okay for a coach of Mourinho's calibre, as much as I deride him, he is obviously a coach of an incredibly high calibre, to have weaknesses, to have areas of his game where he isn't, you know, the absolute best and he needs to swallow his ego and recognise that and bring in one of my mates also so who can organise um, a series of set-piece drills defensively and attacking because we're conceding maybe not always directly from these set-pieces mm-hmm. but as a result of these set-pieces mm-hmm. just so much. At the moment, our defence is by tall players and, as you suggest, maybe tell get let Hugo tell who everyone is marking. Um, it's something that needs work desperately. Uh, but again, like with our management at the second half, it's also something that I think is fairly easily fixed. You know, uh, a team of set-piece coaches, and I really don't think you need more than three, <laughs> right? Cost a hell of a hell of a hell of a lot less than, you know, a single player of which we brought seven in <laughs> over the summer. It's, it's just, a great it's... point. It's a really good point. And it's something, funnily enough, I uh, a, a comment Mourinho made actually sparked me thinking something similar. He... um. He had a little bit of a, uh, a a cheap shot at David Moyes finding his new Fellaini in uh, in Suchek, who is, you know, in, in fairness, Suchek is fantastic in both boxes from set pieces. And that made me feel like uh, maybe you shouldn't be joking so much about that, Jose, because we could do with someone who's that dominant in both boxes from set pieces as well. It's like, it's not to be sniffed at. It's actually really genuinely useful. And also he was... Uh, a huge proponent of Fellaini at times when he was coach of Man United yep. he would use Fellaini for exactly the same purpose um, so that got me thinking too Bardi I can see you're waiting to say something well we do have Kane who proved himself quite a few times to be mm-hmm. an excellent mm-hmm. um, defender at, uh, at set pieces and corners there was one right towards the end of the first half where he put in a great block um, I would like I would like to say I've been quite negative and I think I, I haven't given enough appreciation to the three goals that we did score I think I think we have skipped over that a little bit I thought mm. 
Um, especially the third goal, I thought Reguilón showed everything that we want from a fullback, and he's class. He, he's he's a wonderful player. But there was one moment in the second half where I thought I really, really, really like this guy when he came across and just wiped out their defender. He cut across the <laughs> left back. Perhaps it was a foul, but it was he was never going to get a red card from it. It would have been yellow at best, at worst. But I thought I thought he had a really strong game, and I really liked that goal that he, that he set up for Kane. I thought that's a proper nice little indicator for the for future for future goals as well it's all about the first goal though with uh, uh, Kane's QB pass and Son's immaculate curled finish into the bottom corner I was watching us counter and I one thing I often do uh, I watch Spurs games nearly all of them with my dad whose vision is, is leaving him and something I'm in the habit of doing on his behalf is naming <laughs> the player on the ball for him so we start this counterattack and um this this um this white blonde player picks up the ball deep in midfield and I go oh who's that and then this perfect ball is played and as he's playing the pass I go oh it must be Kane you can tell it's Kane because of the quality of the delivery as it finds son what a ball um and he just keeps doing it man incredible incredible player the the problem with that goal is like if you if you live in the countryside and you open up your bedroom window and you see this beautiful mountain every day you it kind of like we see this beautiful goal being scored all the time so it's just like oh okay there's that beautiful view (laughs) there's that beautiful goal which is why i think um the the third goal and the second goal were they they really stood out for me because they were a bit a little bit different kane over the top sun cuts in whack goal it's just like yeah okay that's 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 kind of par yes it's special though the the quality of the pass is special um i don't know if you saw earlier um uh stats bomb posted Kane's radar I think it's they call it refer to them as radars uh, for this season so far and he, he's in the hundredth percentile for XG assisted mm-hmm. uh, and the eighth percentile for shot to touch ratio uh, the, the point being from that I assume that he, he doesn't get on the ball much but when he does boy does he make it count it's insane uh, how well how well Kane's playing at the moment and I mean outperforming everything but it's it's not is this level is probably unsustainable but then we've seen Kane sustain it for a season before when he was uh, playing at a similar level so fingers crossed that continues he's just ridiculous right now absolutely ridiculous and I love him having said that a question from uh, Rob I'm going to say it's Rob Kleinite sorry Rob if I've got your surname wrong he says will Kane ever square a ball when he's on a hat trick Bergvine has every right to be upset because he was available for two easy attempts and Kane tried to shoot through two defenders both times. Um, what do you think and what do you think is the right thing to do, Nathan, in those situations? There was another one for Sun as well, an even worse one in my opinion. Um, but he was on a hat-trick, so he shot. He's always going to. Um, for the most part, you say that's Harry Kane. You take that. That's a facet of who he is. That's a facet of his mentality. He only scores as many goals as he does because he thinks in this way. Nevertheless, ideally, I want him passing there. Um, I would ask him. I would even, as his coach, I would say, hey, as have you considered... I know that you're on a hat trick, but it would be really nice. And don't get upset with me here, but just just play around with the idea of playing the ball and, and securing the easy goal for your teammate there. Um, he'll he'll say yes, boss, and then not do it. And there's not really a lot you can do about it. Um, it's it's slightly annoying for the most part. You just accept his part of, of who he is. Of course, he should pass there, but you never will. There's um there's a funny thing that I sometimes when Kane is on a hat trick I feel inclined to take him off because yeah. I yeah I think his his hunt for the hat trick just clouds his decision making and I think after two goals when he after he hit the post maybe we could have given Vinicius his debut and then maybe Vinicius passes one of those opportunities but maybe Vinicius is a is a log and he's not very good anyway I also I also tweeted um during the game about how many unnecessary minutes Kane has picked mm. up because of time spent on a potential hat trick. And I just think that like <laughs> it's really doing us some damage, <laughs> like both in possession and in terms of how many minutes, unnecessary minutes at the end of games he plays. Alright, you made the point early that maybe Kane could have helped us see out the game with his general brilliance. But beside that, um he's he's played on through games and not been subbed off. Um and he's also playing in this selfish way. I just think that like three is such an arbitrary number of goals to specifically be targeting as opposed to two or four or one or five because it's like essentially the value of a hat trick is that they're called hat tricks and you get the match ball (laughs) what i think we need to invest in 
is um, you get a bunch of Premier League footballs and you spray paint them gold and we call them brace balls. And every time he scores a brace, we sub him off and we give him a brace ball we can put up in his in his massive, the room in his house that is dedicated to match balls. And every time he opens the door, a whole bunch of them come flooding out because the room can't contain all the match balls he has. He can start putting gold brace balls in there and then we can sub him off at two goals and it's fine. He also needs hat-trick of assists balls as well. Yes. So maybe some silver paint for those. Yes. Uh, I mean, objectively, we were three nil up, and we've got a striker who has a history of getting injuries from being overplayed. <laughs> There's no real excuse for, and we've just signed a new striker for the first time in two years. There's not really an excuse for leaving him on the pitch. He was obviously there because he was on a hat trick right now. There's no other reason why he was yep. on the pitch. I mean, the fact that we then draw three all. Is is irrelevant in in my view because that shouldn't that shouldn't happen. We like we should be able to manage a game at three 0 to to win comfortably, uh, and and Kane should be off. He should be off the pitch, and you can bring on Bale or you can bring on Carlos Vinicius, and you rest Kane, and, and then everyone's happy. In theory, in theory, but he's on a hat trick, so he's not going to come off. This is there was something you said there, Wendy. This is the this is the ridiculous thing. How many goals do we need to score to be safe? Like, are we going to have to get to a point where we've got four, and then it's just like, no, we can't rest anybody because we need five just to be safe. This this is the annoying thing about this: the fact that we drew with West Ham. It, it, it happened. It happens. But the fact that we were three 0 up and it went, uh, we just need to. Uh, just, I'm not saying it again. We need to be better. But I, I do have a question. A quick question for you two. We don't have to go into detail over it. But is this Harry Kane the best Harry Kane that we? ever seen for me yes yeah because of the variety to his game now which is developed um uh, and the sort of talismanic element to him which is i mean it's it's kane and son Uh, i think that's what it is actually i think that's what it is It's, it's kane and son whereas before when it was kane it was it was fantastic but he was often carrying us by himself now he's got his sidekick who is Nearly as good as him, frankly. Son is just in the most outrageous run of form as well. He's fabulous, unplayable talent on, on the left side of our attack. And it's it's a joy to watch. And, and Kane's pinging passes 60 yards that De Bruyne would be putting in his top 10 passes of all time. You know, it's he's doing everything. He's doing everything. He's, he's wonderful. It's uh, that list of ten goal uh, passes is, is is longer than ten. Uh, <laughs> I I I think he's probably still just just a shade off his sort of twenty seventeen best, um, but it's close. It's really close. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. One thing uh, you touched on, Bardi, you, how, when do we feel safe? How many goals do we have to score to feel safe? Did you ever think you'd be saying that about Mourinho Tottenham team? <laughs> of course, I had full faith in our leader and manager. No, but I mean, it's not, it's not a trait of his, is it? You feel, the point of Mourinho is you always feel safe when you're ahead, right? That's, the, that's, it, that's what he does. He, he gets to a, a leading position and then he sees games out. That, his second spell at Chelsea, that first part of the season where he was he was smacking in the goals, they were a bit soft then. They they did have a um, a weakness which we showed. We did um, put five goals past them, and then after that, all of a sudden he went oh oh, and then he shut shut up shop. Which 
maybe maybe this is what happens to us at some point but I, I don't mm-hmm. think we have the players to pull it off but yeah the Mourinho for a, a lot of this um, defensive stick from Mourinho comes from the the time he beat or he drew with um, Barcelona at the Nou Camp with Inter with 10 guys uh, where he did part the bus and a few times against Barcelona which is, was one of the best teams in the world where he did defend deep but I, I don't know if he is this brilliant defensive coach maybe he's just this as Nathan's talked about a few times He's just this guy that uses a defensive setup to play counter-attacking football. I don't, I don't know if he is this brilliant kind of defensive guy. Maybe his Man United team ended up being a bit defensive because they were just really turgid and rubbish at going forward. So <laughs> they just looked defensive. Maybe. Well, you know what comes next. What comes next is we go back to the uh, the lopsided back four <laughs> formation, and and we we have Ben Davis back, or or we have Doherty and Aurier sidelined, and Tanganga on on the right as a as a third right side centre back. How did you both feel about Aurier starting this game? I presume it was because of Doherty's involvement for Ireland in their matches, and it was a uh, okay. simply a case of who was fittest. Oh, did he play three games? He he definitely played two. He might have been three. Okay. I got the feeling he played in all three games. And when I saw it, I just thought he was he was too tired uh, and they just didn't want to risk him. He wasn't yeah. good. He, he wasn't good well, in this one, Aurier. I, get, I mean, he sort of mirrored the team. I thought he was pretty strong in the first half and then made a series of Aurier t- tier errors yeah. <laughs> leading up yeah, to us conceding three goals, which is what you get, I guess. Um, that danger's just always going to be there with him. Yeah, yeah. I'm talk- talking of... Um, rotation we we have got another game this week we play an austrian team in the in the europa league linzer athletic sport club commonly known as as lask or linzer ask um i didn't know much about them so i i looked them up on wikipedia and here are the things i found out they have a cousin of marcel sabitzer of Leipzig, who is uh, Thomas Sabitzer, a 20-year-old winger. Never Sign heard of him. <laughs> and they have uh, four Austrian national team players, uh, all of whom have one cap. <laughs> so they're very much kind of fringe players. Reinhold Rampft, who's a defender. Uh, Alexander Schlager, who's a goalkeeper. Thomas Goiginger, who's a midfielder. And Germot Trauner, who's a defender. I love a good Austrian name. Mm. They're, yeah. They're fun to say, aren't they? I, I do apologise to any Austrian <laughs> or German people who are just offended. I would yeah, like um, to retract the apology on Wendy's behalf I, <laughs> for my own enjoyment. Uh, this is a game that we, we should be able to win comfortably in, in theory. Bardi, do you expect full-on rotation? Yeah, I expect full-on rotation. I, uh, Vinicius to get his start, his, his debut, and then massive changes everywhere, for sure. My friend Tiago, the world's only Europa League hardcore fan, texts me saying, are you previewing Lask? Have you, have you been watching Lask? Have you got any thoughts on Lask? You, have you been watching the way that they play? And I said, well, no, because we've we signed a player. I'm gonna, I'll be doing more match previews down the line, but at the moment I wanted to look at our signing, and he was so, so frustrated at me that I, I'm prioritising looking at our new signing as opposed to looking at our Europa League group stages um, so I'm afraid I haven't done my homework on, on Lask apparently I should have done perhaps they play in an interesting way or have some interesting players but, but I will have to find out in real time I'm afraid if, if the stream works this time <laughs> Uh, so we've got a few other things to talk about. There's a few talking points. Uh, first one on the list is is the the goalkeeper situation. I thought this was uh, worth discussing. So when Joe Hart signed, one of the reasons the signing was celebrated was because it would allow Alfie Whiteman and Brandon Austin to go out on loan. Now that this hasn't happened and Gazaniga is still at the club too, do you feel any differently about the signing of Joe Hart, Buddy? No, I think Joe Hart was added for what he can what he can give as a as a number two goalkeeper. Um, I've said before, I think he's I think he's more vocal. I think he's a bit, little bit more a little better perhaps at organising his defence. I think Gazaniga's very much stay on your line and try and save it. Um, when he does come out, he normally tries to decapitate somebody. So I, I think I don't think Hart was a good signing, but I think he was probably part of that as we've said many times: mentality, winner, experience, everything else in the changing room, which I, I think is really bad i i would like to have seen um whiteman and austin go out on loan i think it's i think it's, um, it's a shame they haven't any thoughts nathan 
We have downgraded our second choice goalkeeper. We have failed to use the opportunity provided by that to send out our young players on loan. We have a player in the squad who can't be registered for the Europa League. And despite all of that, we threw away a three goal leads to West Ham. <laughs> what we should have done, obviously, is use one of our subs, left Kane on the pitch and, and subbed in Hart to play in place of Hugo so we could better shout at our defenders and it would have all been fine. <laughs> we just terrible, some terrible winning signing. mentality. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Him celebrating, not celebrating, but hugging all the West Ham players because he used to play they really did annoy me it's like this guy you take on a work conference and just doesn't add anything all he does is just smash the buffet and make you queue up for ages because he drinks all the coffee and he is a pointless signing the the whole reason for signing him it just doesn't seem to have worked it's worse than pointless signing it's a negative signing we have spent money to decrease the quality of our squads and our general condition yeah and the opportunity cost is that's like 30 grand of wages going towards him that could go to someone else you could, could hire go to a set piece coach yeah, yeah. there we go <laughs> yeah. yeah you could hire a team of set piece coaches for the next five years for the same cost as joe hart's wages for one year mm. that's that's the opportunity cost there uh, yeah i i did think that was worth talking about i'm disappointed that uh that whiteman and austin haven't been farmed out on loan very disappointed. Austin is actually the England under-21 backup goalkeeper. Anyway. I mean, he's very highly thought of. Uh, we, we should be finding a, a loan club for him. We did send one young goalkeeper out on loan, um, which, I, I, again, I, I don't really get the rationale behind it, but um, Oluwayemi has gone out to Maidenhead. Uh, why, why him and not any of the others? But fine, it's good good for him. He's, he'll hopefully get some first-team football. Do you think Another it's... Um, that, sorry. Do you think... Do you think they haven't gone out on loan because they're not good enough or because nobody went in for them or we just held them back? What do you honestly believe? They're definitely good enough. Um, it makes you wonder what we're asking for, hmm. uh, whether whether we want a loan fee, possibly. So, so for example, a club like Wickham Wanderers, who are a championship club, just come up from League One, they're, they're, they've got a very um, flimsy squad and their goalkeeper, Ryan Alsop, is objectively a bad goalkeeper. <laughs> he's, he's just not very good. Lovely guy, not very good. Austin and Whiteman would both be improvements on, on Ryan Allsop for Wickham. We should be paying them to take hit them <laughs> and, and pay get our players a year of championship football. It would be a fantastic experience. And then you never know, they might get... They might do so well that next year they can go on loan to Sheffield United like Dean Henderson did. That's, that's what we should be looking for. Uh, next thing to have a, a, a quick chat about, just because I thought this was amusing... Is this little uh, argument, I suppose, that's, that's started brewing between Arsene Wenger and Jose Mourinho? So Mourinho was asked uh, why why he doesn't appear in Arsene Wenger's new book. <laughs> Mourinho basically prods the bear and says, because he never beat me. And, uh, and, and Wenger comes back at him this week and says, it doesn't upset me. With him, it's constant provocation. I feel like I'm at <laughs> kindergarten, but that is part of his personality. And it is false. We beat him two out of 19 times. We won and there were also a lot of draws. And it is not you who wins. You participate in the victory. It is we who win. The manager is there to get the maximum out of the team. Uh, I thought you'd enjoy this little uh, battle, Bardi. What have you made of it? I mean, the Mourinho-Wenger fight goes back ages and ages. Didn't uh, Mourinho call him a voyeur? That he, all he does is sit at home and watch what he's doing. <laughs> I do find it quite funny that Wenger's come back with, oh, I beat him twice out of 19 times. It's like when your wife says, you haven't done this. Oh, I did it. I did it once. When did you do it? Oh, months ago. It's just like, <laughs> shut up, Wenger. You've been, you've been kind of told, just, just accept it. Um, it's very, it's very Mourinho. We know he can be quite funny, quite charismatic. Um, I think Vega does have a point where it's like we, but then instead it's always I instead of we, the team and everything. But I think the difference there is Arsene Wenger's identity and his football career is so tied into one club, it does become a we. Whereas Mourinho has jumped from club to club to club that he can't really call anywhere he's at we. So he just uses I instead. So I think I think Wenger needs to shut up a little bit there. They're both right. They're both children. Um, the entire process is absurd managers keep releasing books in which for 400 pages they say nothing um, and then the conversation around books in which they say nothing is a series of headlines for months and then it's someone else's turn to bring out a book about their time in which they say nothing in the book it's a, it's an entire circus I mean footballers books are, are quite bad like <laughs> most of the time there's the occasional good one Pierlo had a couple of good bits but that was mostly about um, 
jamming a fork into Gattuso to see how upset he would get and stuff like that. But on the whole, I tend to avoid I tend to avoid books written about footballers unless it's something historical going back in time or it's something is something serious has happened to to that individual. Otherwise, it's just a kind of uh, what you say. It's just they've just blown a bit of smoke up their ass. We've had a couple of emails this week. Uh, two that I want to mention in particular. Uh, firstly, Robert Ford emailed in a brilliant email about what it's like being a fan in Australia. And uh, he mentions the time differences and, and how that um, plays out for him. Something that I hadn't considered at all, which which he mentions, is when he's talking to work colleagues about the Premier League, he has to check with them first whether they're up to date with the scores because the time difference is such that you don't quite know if someone will have caught up with what's happened yet or whether they're going to wait until they get back from work to kind of watch the highlights. Uh, which I thought was really was really sweet to hear about. Uh, so thank you, Robert, for the, the really interesting email. And and Ben Schiffer, who who sent a lengthy email, but there's one part in particular that that kind of was the crux of it, which was fascinating to me. He talks about how uh, Bale's time at Spurs first time around was so exciting and 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 made many people fall in love with Tottenham. And he talks about how Mourinho did that for him with football in 2003-04. He says, at that time, I'd never, ever seen anyone like Mourinho. He was so young, charismatic and extraordinarily articulate that he managed in his first press conference to craft a line that's still being misquoted 20 odd years later. He took a nearly not quite team and with an obscene amount of money in fairness, turned them into an utterly brutal team that pulverised English football, ruthlessly scored enormous amounts of goals and let very few in and blazed a trail for the absurdly high point totals that Man City and Liverpool have since followed. And at that time, it was utterly laughable to think that Spurs might ever have a manager as good as him. He adds, I'm not saying that Nathan is wrong about Mourinho, just that he might not be quite as dismissive of him if he'd met him in the way that I did. I thought that was a really interesting point. Uh, any any comment from you two? Well, let Nathan, Nathan go first on this one. <laughs> yeah, no, I I, I, I acknowledge his, uh, his angle on things. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, but Bale came on and uh, created a really good chance, and Mourinho had the team drop off. So I, I'm still right. Recency bias. Therefore, based on the most recent thing that could possibly have happened, no, uh, no, I think that's a really good point. To be fair, um, but I guess we can't really shake off our own formative biases um, all the way as much as we like to say that we do or we try to. Um, it's still there. My definitely, definitely. Um, nostalgia plays a huge role in my perception of, of Bale signing for sure mm-hmm. I think um, there is this whole story behind Mourinho about changing Chelsea they were Champions League semi-finalists the year before they did finish top four under Ranieri they, they already had the Abramovich money there was quite a number of players already in place so yes I, even though I am a Mourinho apologist he did he did change Chelsea but they were already quite changed when he arrived there they were he just um, took a few players that he'd had at Porto who were who were exceptional and didn't just built on from that so um, it wasn't like he came in and, and built this team out of nothing it was already Abramovich powered Nathan's just reminded me that we didn't actually touch on on Bale's uh, chance so we should probably do that because it was a pretty I mean it was pretty special seeing Bale come off the bench against yes. uh, West Ham his first touch being a free kick which he got on target although it wasn't a very good free kick um, but the chance he had was notable for me for a couple of reasons. Firstly, if you watch him run forward during that break, it kind of reminded me of how much he's not what he was because although he's a really powerful runner still, he doesn't have that kind of excessive acceleration that would have taken him clear of, of players all those years ago. However, what he did show was he still has fantastic footwork really really quick feet and lovely lovely movement to bring the ball inside and open up the opportunity for the shot disappointing finish at the end of it but that'll come that'll come back in time the the finishing ability uh what did you think of of Bale's cameo I mean there wasn't a huge amount uh, of sort of detail uh, to take away um he had a few touches and then he had a really lovely run and quick feet to create a chance for himself I do think that he was fouled as he took the shot but because he took the shot (laughs) there's no conversation around it at all um we saw something that is grabbing a few more headlines as well the other day with Van Dyke got a shot away was offside Pickford clattered him he's managed to do some ligament damage it looks like he's gonna be out for ages that's gonna be headlines and headlines for weeks and hopefully maybe that might begin to form a discussion around fouling players 
as and after they've taken the shot, but it seems like it won't. It seems like instead it will be a discussion about VAR, instead it will be a discussion about offside, and instead it will be a discussion about Liverpool Football Club, which is very frustrating because for me, the the underlying issue there before anything else is is the way we treat uh, forwards as they are taking shots. Uh, Mason, horrible Horrible ankle injury against Sunderland, but he got the shot away. I remember Cahill completely upending Rose as he scored in the 5-3 against Chelsea. Uh, I remember Dunk going all the way through Delhi as he took a shot against Brighton. And we see Bale fouled, but because he got the shot off, even though it seems very likely to me (laughs) that the quality of the shot was affected by the foul because he got the shot, no one cares. No Tottenham players are calling for the foul. No West Ham players looking sheepish. None of the coaches are kicking off. The ref doesn't look at it. Even Gareth Bale, who is notorious for claiming any possible foul that he can, quite happily gets back off the ground, dusts himself off and carries on with things. But it's a foul. And people say, well, if he takes an extra touch and doesn't take the shot, then he's fouled. But it's the same contact regardless, you know? I, it's this, I don't know the exact history of how we've arrived at the situation where you can basically do whatever you want to a player as long as they get the shot off. But, but it's the, it's the mutual understanding from absolutely everybody involved. It does get called up sometimes. The Xhaka did one against Sun at the Emirates. Um, Davies with Pogba. Davies had released the ball, then got wiped out, and they gave a penalty there. But yeah, I, yeah, but I agree with you. There's, there's no. Um, there needs to be a little bit of consistency there. Yeah, it's a great point. And the Liverpool one with uh, Pickford. The other thing is, it will be it'll become an issue of of whether you can still send a player off even though uh, offside has been called. Which which is irrelevant because it's still on the field of play. Uh, but the, the, you're right that all those things will be the discussion rather than the player getting the shot away. Which is it's just such a strange such a strange way of uh, of looking at uh, football. Uh, final question. This is from Dan Alvarez. He says this is this is really interesting as well. He says it feels like the general consensus is that Tottenham sort of won this transfer window. And while you were all talking about it, I found myself thinking that so much of my non-Gareth, non-Sergio-based optimism about this team isn't down to this summer's moves, but also last year's moves, mm. uh, which is, I think is something we, we didn't touch upon, but we all absolutely agree with. Uh, and he goes on to say, and though Levy deserves credit, it also underscores his biggest failure as Spurs chairman, which is that 18 months where we bought nobody. Basically, what he's saying is it's taken it's taken some time for our signings last summer to, to settle in if we didn't have those 18 months who knows what team we might have now um what do you think nathan yeah i mean you know we we said it before we'll say it again we did so much damage we've we've now done what we should have done then um yeah definitely like um there's this kind of a packaging of last summer's very very good signings with sort of seeing that out finishing things off this summer and it's it's easy to see them as one thing but they're not because they occurred in two different summers under two different managers um but it's it's you know if you um if you buy like a really fancy engine you've also got to buy the chassis to put it all in and otherwise it's <laughs> it's just sitting there and it's useless you know so yeah he's right <laughs> i don't know really what else to say yeah yeah agreed buddy any anything you'd add yeah, I agree with that. Um, we've seen with uh, Lacelso and Endombele sometimes individuals take twelve months to kind of settle in and improve. Mm. And by going eighteen months without buying a player, you do kind of put everything back a year. Uh, especially that was so costly to us because that was straight after the World Cup. After having I don't know eleven, twelve players involved up into the final week, it was uh, it was a bit short sighted, and it, it, it's definitely hurt us. Going, it's it's still kind of hurting us. Maybe two years later. That is it for this week's extra inch. Hope you've enjoyed. It's been a long one. We've run long today, boys. Um, but there was lots to talk about. And it was fun. Let's hope we let's hope we thrash some Austrian minnows and we can come back happy again. You've been listening to the Extra Inch. Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Bardi for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindmer for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud D Lindmer. Do check him out, he's great. great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help.